You're listening to the Foreign and International Medical Graduate Show, a podcast to inspire physicians in the process of immigration to the United States and access to graduate medical education. We create meaningful and helpful content that motivates medical students and doctors throughout the world with the goal of creating a community that supports itself and gives feedback to each other, that stays updated with the most recent tips and advice on how to make it in America and become a successful resident or fellow in the speciality of your dreams. Dr. Alonso Osorio is board certified and residency trained in both emergency and family medicine and will be bringing you 20 years of his personal experiences, struggles and motivation. We'll be chatting with people like you to talk about the lessons they've learned along their personal path, how to make an impact and how we can all benefit from it. Also, we'll analyze the current resources available and how to benefit from them. Thanks for joining us. Please enjoy the show. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Here we are. Today, we have a guest, Dr. Sophie Colon. Dr. Sophie Colon is a medical doctor, a doctor of medicine that I happened to find during my initial research on the internet, on YouTube, about foreign medical graduates and how is their experience of making it in America. Dr. Sophie Colon went to Universidad Autónoma de Guadalajara School of Medicine and she uh, graduated in June of 2009. She also went initially for her undergrad and obtained a Bachelor's of Science in Biology at the University of Puerto Rico in Mayagüez in June of 2005. Currently, uh, Dr. Sophie uh, Colon lives and works in the state of Florida here, a little south from where I am. And I'm extremely happy to have her in our show today because while I was surfing the web, I found rather interesting her video because it's remarkably spontaneous. And she saw herself one day after visiting one of her colleagues that was a little bit depressed and lacking motivation to jump into the car and start recording uh, this episode that has had 6,700 plus views on YouTube and it's either one or number two in the search engine when you're looking for information about this. And it seems that since she recorded this more than a year ago, she has had quite a large amount of people reaching out to her via her email. Mm -hmm. And I actually love your email address, uh, Dream Big War Heart, correct? MD. MD. <laughs> so, Dr. Colon, we're really happy to have you, and I am extremely motivated. Can you tell us something else about yourself, and where are you at, oh. and what's your family life like right now, and, and what's going on right now? Well, first of all, thank you for inviting me, and I'm really grateful for this opportunity you're giving me. Well, right now, I live here in Florida, Palm Bay, and I work as an EEG tech after trying for the USMLE multiple times and not passing, I had to find a way to bring the money to the house. So I've been through a lot, but here we are. I'm married. I have a six-year-old and I can say that we're happy and we want it to be like 10 years ago. This is not where I thought I was going to be, but I can say that I'm happy and I'm successful uh, what I'm doing right now. And the recent to have you here is because your story is so motivational for many of us and you have never put yourself down and you have fought through many adversities and you have accomplished so much. And even if you don't see yourself doing what you thought you were going to be doing, 
as long as you're happy with yourself and as long, you know, we have faith in the Lord that there is something out there waiting for to happen, I think that's all you need. So getting back to the question, how do you come up with this crazy video that has had so many <laughs> followers and so many likes? Well, listen, when I started recording that day, I came from Miami visiting a friend of mine that went to the same university as me. And um, as we were talking, I was coming up with ideas of how to create a business because I know we're smart people. If we studied medicine, we went through six years of med school and we passed, we got our diploma, our title and everything. It's because, I mean, we're smart people and we can do a lot of things, but when you come to this country, that perspective changes if you don't have the steps and if you don't if you don't match for a residency. I have a lot of friends that graduated in my class that are in the same boat and it's a little depressing. Nobody likes to fail and when you fail in a step, everybody that studies medicine and wants to come to the U.S. knows about the USMLE and how hard these tests are. When you don't pass them, you might think it's the end of the world. It might feel like it, but when I started recording that video, I try to just put my feelings in there. I felt defeated before, but now I'm in this place in my life and I want to share with you what I've done to come this far and what I'm planning to do in the future to, I mean, to still be successful. You don't, a diploma doesn't mean anything. When right. you're an FMG and you come to the States, you quick realize that your diploma doesn't mean anything. People don't call you doctor until you have the steps and until you're doing a residency. Well, nobody has taken your degree away. So that's why exactly. you're, you're Dr. Sophie Colon. You have yeah. your medical degree. Nobody can take that away from you. The only difference is that you pass a step two. You didn't pass a step one. And that is what we call the filter. Mm -hmm. And I think with these recent changes in the USMLE that are going to start in 2022, I think you're going to accomplish your goals. And I see you probably fulfilling your dreams. I'm just telling you the truth. I Thank think you're you. going to, the perspective is just looking better and better despite what people are fearing. Uh, this has created a lot of fear in the community that I am trying to reach, the foreign medical graduates. I think it's actually be good for us. So I want you to feel remarkably optimistic about this. So Sophie, what was the goal of what you wanted to accomplish with this video? I'm going to tell you the truth. I listened to this video. I shouldn't be. In, I was driving and I was uh -huh. broadcasting the video. I was not looking at your face. And I don't know how you kept your face on the road that day without <laughs> crashing, by the way. But I felt myself crying because you got really sad when you touched this aspect that people don't consider you a real doctor in America because you just haven't passed some test. Mm -hmm. uh, to get it, get into residency program. Uh, what was the goal of this, uh, this motivational video that you created that has been so popular this far? It was just to put out my feelings. I didn't have a purpose of making any money with it. I wasn't planning on becoming a YouTuber or an influencer. I just thought that there was a lot of people that was in the same situation and we don't have like a platform if you Google foreign medical graduates with no license, it's very hard to find someone to share their experience. I've seen that almost every foreign medical graduate that doesn't get a residency, but they still get a job. Uh, 
like a decent job, they still don't share it because they think they're not going to have job security. Like more and more people are going to come after those type of jobs and then they're not going to have a job. But for me, I feel like I need to help others that are in the same situation to find a way to, to make it in this country. I mean, just by you failing a test doesn't mean that the that it's over for you. You can dream. You can still dream. You just need to work hard and whatever it is, it's going to come to you. I mean, don't sit down at home and wait for uh, opportunities to knock on your door. That's not going to happen. You have to go through a lot of struggles, but at the end, there's always, how do you call it? Recompensa? <laughs> a reward. Rewarding. Yeah. Rewarding. At the end of the tunnel, there's a light. Yeah, and for my listeners, I'm going to tell you the truth, and this is something that I don't think I have quite mentioned during the podcast. In my specific situation, while I was coming into America to do my observations and studying for the steps, a period of that took me about 18 months, I found myself uh, working underground, being Colombian, in South Beach. What kind of jobs I had, actually, I feel that my jobs were really not even medically related. I was cleaning uh, bathrooms, wiping uh, literally shit. I was uh, washing dishes. I was picking up trash. I was uh, ballet parking, you know, and every morning at three, four o'clock in the morning when I didn't have a car, I had to take the bus to go through US1 and stop 25 times to make it into my house around seven o'clock in the morning to sleep for two hours and go back to the library and do it all over again. So I think you're under better circumstances than what I was and what I did during those uh, 16, 18 months in the United States. And I don't feel ashamed of it, but it definitely built character and Mm -hmm. made me want it a little more. So Mm -hmm. in your personal case, uh, having had been a, a medical assistant and a medical scribe and now a successful EEG technologist and working on your certification, I think uh, that's quite an accomplishment. And and as I said, nobody has taken your degree away. Mm -hmm. So what has changed in your life? Uh, Where are you right now? And how do you see yourself five years from now? In terms of professionally, not much has changed other than um, now I'm studying for getting registered for EEG tech. But what has changed is a little bit of my mentality because since I recorded that video, a lot of people has reached out to me for advice and just to tell me that how inspiring my video was and they're now motivating me to go for more. And a lot of people is like, so what is your business? I want to be part of it. Like they see in me something special. So it's not like I feel special now all of a sudden because I recorded this video. But I feel like sometimes you need to be reminded of how powerful you are, of how powerful is your personality and how far you can go. But sometimes we don't see it. Sometimes failure is just like a big wall that keeps us from doing a lot of things that we could be doing. My life has changed in that matter. Like now my mind is more open. Now I want to do it not just for myself, but for others that are not depending on me, but they just want to see how my life changes and they want to do the same thing. Yeah, you didn't want to call yourself an influencer, but you are. <laughs> okay. And I know that we're going to maybe become millionaires by having a doctors working for doctors. Oh, yeah, uh, we are. <laughs> yeah, so I, I like that. I thought it was awesome how you wrap it mm-hmm. up. But uh, what goes into the mindset of somebody when is feeling down 
and how you switch what I call the cassette, how you change the hard drive to keep working hard despite sometimes having financial constraints, being in a different country with a different language. Obviously, you're English speaker and you speak better English than I do, but uh, how do you think that the mindset needs to change and what what tips do you get to the people out there? Is is that a spiritual experience? Is is that a, what kind of stuff goes through your, yourself? I believe what has kept me strong through this journey is my faith in God, first of all, and then the support system that I have, my family, my parents, um, and my husband. Because without them, it'll be very difficult. Like financially, becoming a physician in this country is super expensive. I think most of us come to this country country, uh, very naive, like being very naive, thinking that you have a, a diploma, it should be easy just to pay a couple of thousands for the test. And you don't even know how much you have to pay for match. But um, that's another subject but for me it has been my faith in god and my family that have always been like extremely supportive yeah they're they're really supportive so and going back to the the point that you said that english is i mean and an english speaker that's not the case i struggle with my english actually when i came from mexico to the states and i started my first job I didn't even know how to talk on the phone with patients. It was a struggle, but I mean, I had the opportunity, so I had to take it. And that's how I started having conversations with people and like feeling more comfortable speaking, speaking English. Um, but yeah, my journey has been a little bit different to other foreign and international medical graduates. Because I don't have to go through the visa process. Yeah, you're a, you're a United States citizen. Yes, and also my family was here already. But I know it's it's very hard for other other people that come from their countries and they don't have anybody here. And it could be discouraging because I mean you're here with no money, nobody to talk to, nobody to study with, and um, it could be very hard. So I feel grateful for. My journey, it hasn't been that bad. I have struggled, but it hasn't been that bad. <laughs> I know your your voice gets a little teary there. Uh, yeah. really touches the fibers. You went to my, uh, undergrad in Puerto Rico. What was the motivation of uh, leaving Puerto Rico and choosing to go to medical school in Mexico and why you didn't choose, for example, sometimes the Caribbean and incurring mm-hmm. in huge loan expenses and, and medical yeah. school loans or probably trying to make it into medical school in America or going to another country like mine, Colombia, potentially, mm-hmm. you know, what, what was the motivation? Why did you seek uh, Mexico to be a, a choice for you? Well, I had to do biology because if you study in Puerto Rico, it's like kind of the same educational system as here and the same requisites before you can go to med school. So I decided I wanted to do biology and, um, I graduated and then I decided I I always knew I wanted to become a doctor since I was a little girl. So for me, the first filter to become a physician in this country is the MCAT. So I didn't get a good score in the MCAT. So I had to either study for another year and take the MCAT again to be able to apply for uh, med school in Puerto Rico, or I could go to any other international school. So since I was graduating, I was like, 
I'm not going to waste another year. I'm just going to apply for. So I was in between Mexico or Dominican Republic. Oh, great, great. Um, yes. And we had actually Dr. Wilsania uh -huh. uh, Mendez, Rodriguez Mendez in this show, and she's Dominican. Yeah. So those are the two options that I had because that's what you know in Puerto Rico. Almost like I don't know any doctor from Puerto Rico that has been in uh, Colombia or Cuba or whatever. All you know is Dominican Republic, uh, the Caribbean, and Mexico. So by the time that was back in 2005, my mom said no Dominican Republic because a lot of uh, crime and things that are going on. And I had a friend from church, actually two of them that had gone to Guadalajara to study medicine. And that's how I decided I wanted to go to Mexico, ended up studying in Mexico. And I love the experience. And I, I feel like I owe a lot to Mexico because of the six years that I spent studying medicine. Yeah, Mexico and is a fantastic country. It's a fantastic country. People are so kind. Well, that is amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. It's beautiful. And uh, I would recommend it to anybody. But for med school, I have my... You know, many of my medical scribes, uh, at least I can count on two or three, they have gone to medical school in Guadalajara. One of them already uh, came back to America, and I think he's doing orthopedic surgery. And right now, uh, Jonathan Rios, who used to be one of my employees at Go Scribes, he's okay. about to finish medical school in, oh, he's not in Guadalajara, Universidad de Monterrey. He's in uh, Monterrey, but he's he's going through the same process on when to take the steps and how to get it done, but he, the same situation. He's a U.S. citizen like you. Uh -huh. He'll be actually coming to the show anytime soon. We were thinking about recording this show okay. last, last weekend with him, but uh, the communication was really, really, uh, really bad. So uh, it seems that it's working out today for us really well. Uh -huh. okay. So... Dr. Colon, how was your experience as a medical student in Guadalajara? And what did you learn from it? Not only the culture. Yeah. I don't regret going to Mexico because, I mean, my life is what it is because I went to Mexico, to Guadalajara specifically. If I wouldn't have gone to Mexico, I wouldn't be married to the guy that I'm married today and my life wouldn't be the same, right? But I do have, um, if I would... To recommend a med school for someone, I wouldn't really say Guadalajara, <laughs> but it depends on you. I mean, if you have a goal and you know what you want, Mexico, it's a good place to be. For me, it was good, but I think I didn't immerse in the culture as I would have until I got married to a Mexican guy. It was more like going to school and then going home and my my circle was all Puerto Ricans and, and Americans because I was in the international program. So that's all we knew. We were afraid to eat pique or hot sauce or whatever. After I graduated my four years and I did the internship, that's when I was really part of the Mexican, like when I really taste the Mexican culture. And I have really good friends that are Mexican, uh, colleagues, and then I did the one-year uh, social service. That, that was like the highlight. In Colima, right? Colima, Mexico, in right? Colima, Manzanillo. And uh, that was my internship. And then I did my social service in Jalisco in a little town called La Huerta. And I have a lot of experiences Fantastic that stories. I could share. But 
a lot of stories. But yeah, that's when I said, okay, I can be a doctor because it was very challenging being in a rural area with an accent because everybody knows that the Puerto Rican doctor and then by yourself, no supervisor, you were the doctor of the community and they will come to you at any time of the night and you didn't even have um, the medications that you needed, but it was great. I loved it. If yes. I had to do it again, I would do it again. Yeah, it's, I did the same thing in Colombia. I did it in Hospital San Juan de Dios de Giron, and mm -hmm. I was a doctor for 50,000 people. And, wow. puña, uh, you know, puñaladas, stabbings, uh, oh, gunshot wounds, God. drunks, and wow. x-rays was from like 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And the lab was from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. And if I wanted a CBC or a urine, was like a miracle. Oh. And... <laughs> I didn't have a CAT scan. The ambulance ha had everything stolen within it. And oh, that it was crazy. I don't, I don't yeah. know how I survived. I can tell you, I don't know how I survived. And how many people did I right. save? How many people did I, quote, kill? <laughs> I don't know. But probably you have the same type of experience. That but listen, that's an experience that you don't get if you study medicine here in the States. There's no way. That's nothing that you can compare to it. I mean, that's something Americans don't get. Dr. Colon, since, since you say that, one mm -hmm. question. How do you compare medicine being practiced in Mexico, Central America, South America? I don't know anything about, for example, Africa or India, but in our mm -hmm. culture, Spanish-speaking okay. culture, how is medicine there compared to medicine the way you see it right now and the way actually medicine is being practiced by American doctors and, and you've been working with physicians now for many mm -hmm. years in one way or the other? Tell me, how do you feel about the healthcare in America compared to healthcare in Latin America <sighs> or, or Central America? Healthcare in America is messed up because it's money driven. Insurances are taking over. Doctors are not compassionate anymore because they don't have the time to sit down and talk to the patient and know the patient. It's like you only have 15 minutes to see one patient and in those 15 minutes you have to go from, how are you to do you need prescriptions, do you need refills? And that's all they care about. And then you build insurance and the insurance pays you. It's very different in our countries or in Mexico or whatever, in Latin America, where you get to sit down with the patient, do a, a thrilled examination. Here, I was overwhelmed when I, I went to my mom's doctor with her, and she's diabetic, hypertensive. She has all the uh, risk to have a stroke and MI and everything. All and, the Hispanic genes that I call. Right? <laughs> and, um, and the doctor, did, he didn't even look at her. It was like, for me, I was like, he's not going to check her lungs, her heart. Yeah, they don't even her, examine people sometimes, right? Her feet. She's diabetic. I mean, I was like, no. What we practice in Mexico, that's what I can talk about because that's where I did it. In Mexico, it's like having a relationship with the patient is the first thing because the semiology of pain or whatever, you, you need to know what the patient is going through in order to diagnose. So when you're seeing a patient in Mexico or in Latin America, you're talking to them, but since they came into the door, you're looking at them and how they look and their color and their mood and everything, it's telling you a lot. So we're clinical doctors. I'm pretty sure that we can beat any American doctor. In clinical performance exam. Recently graduated from med school in diagnosis and treatment. Um, right. I can't I, say that. Like I do agree. Uh, sure. The contact exposure that we had is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. 
from well, being the only heard. doctor, delivering babies, sometimes right. assisting to operations, managing trauma, mm -hmm. difficult airways, little kids in distress, dealing yeah. with difficult situations like malnutrition, things that you don't mm -hmm. see here in America. And it's such a moving and touching experience. I actually going myself on a trip to Peru okay. this July, hoping to to get a little bit of that. I mm -hmm. probably, I haven't had the chance to go back to my country and do this kind of missionary work, but I, I know I'm going to enjoy it. And I'm going to be for two weeks in the mountains of Peru. And we'll see how it goes. Yeah, that's cool. And also here, the patients are different. Like the patients, they think that Google or whatever online source online um, they have the diagnosis and they that you should give them what they want and you don't know anything if you don't tell them what they want to hear and um, it's very different in Mexico I felt respected I was a doctor so for that reason my word was final and um, and here it's like it's very challenging to be a physician here in the States what Dr. Colon refers is the paternalistic type of uh, medicine. Mm -hmm. And in America, sometimes in this line of work that I do, emergency mm -hmm. physician, people disrespect me every single day. Mm -hmm. They tell me, go on F yourself, yeah. F you, F that. They uh, feel entitled to do that. Super entitled. Mm -hmm. If they went to Walmart, you know, they would be kicked out. And here the police, instead of like kicking them out and taking them to jail, they take them to the emergency room and I have to deal. If mama, right. I say, if mama doesn't love you, if papa doesn't love you, if nobody right. else, where do you end up in the emergency department? <laughs> the only fallback plan for these people. Right. Anyway, but uh, yeah, I got you. Yes, the people, the healthcare system is- it, It's messed up. And I'm going to agree with you with all the respect to my listeners. The expectations that I had from the U.S., in the provision of healthcare to their citizens. I thought it was going to be fantastic because that's why I saw on television, but it's the most expensive system that in the world mm -hmm. with the worst outcomes exactly. and the, less, the least amount of coverage for their own people. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have money, you cannot afford insurance, you cannot access a doctor, Yeah. And then what? Mm -hmm. And now you cannot keep the patients in the hospital for too long either. So they have to go to another facility and that facility can't keep you there for too long either because of insurances. So we're not treating patients. We're just handling money. We're seeing people like money and that's what th what's different. Let's see. And I'm going to ask you this question. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Two years from now, you have match and you pass all your USMLEs yeah, and you yeah. decide to be a doctor. What kind of doctor would you become? What specialty would you go into or... How it would either yourself? be just because I feel like I have a, a heart to serve others. I would be a family doctor or neurology just because of the exposure that I've had uh, with neurology. But I would say first would be family medicine. I know that you were very much loved by these physicians when they saw your resume. Obviously, who doesn't want to have a doctor in their office, you know, mm -hmm. doing the medical triage for them, taking vital signs, getting the history of present illness, yeah. getting the past medical history, doing mm -hmm. almost a complete physical and a full assessment. That's the perfect employee, a doctor working right. for a doctor, right? Mm -hmm. Like you said, let's, mm -hmm. let's find a way to become millionaires and get doctors working for doctors. Exactly. Tell us about that experience of what it was like okay. to be a medical assistant, being a physician, and then becoming a transcriptionist and a medical scribe. Okay, so since I was here and I only passed step C at the step two CS, 
uh, I didn't have much options other than a friend of mine, the same friend that I went to visit in Miami. He's the one that is always telling me of new opportunities. So he told me with my diploma, I could get registered as a medical assistant and start working right away. So that's what I did. I paid like 70 bucks for, to get registered as a medical assistant and I applied but I was so scared that nobody was going to call me because I've never taken the MD after my name out of the resume. It's you shouldn't. Always been there. You must not, doctor. Yeah. Hold on. So you it's, not. it's always there. But at the same time, when they saw the resume, they would be like, but why is she applying for medical assistant? And if they call me for an interview, then I would had a chance to explain them why I was applying for medical assistant instead of medical doctor but yeah that's how I did and it wasn't even two weeks after I applied that this urgent care clinic called me they contacted me and a lady with a very strong accent she was happy to hear that I was a medical doctor and she knew because her husband and her son went through the same thing so now they're physicians here but I mean they struggled too so she called me and I went there and I, I was pretty sure I was going to take the job because I really needed to work and there was no many options for me. That's how I started working for ten fifty an hour here in the United States. I went to the interview and she was happy to have me. She knew what she was getting into and I had a lot to learn about the system here in the States, but she knew I was very capable if I had a medical degree to perform so I started working with her and I worked with her for, I don't know, maybe six months before I got a, another job with a neurologist now as a medical assistant, but more like a transcriptionist. So I was doing a couple of things with that doctor, but mainly I would go in the room with him and talk to the patient and then I would transcribe whatever his notes were at the end of the day. At the end, not on real time. Not in real. He would type something. It'll give me an idea. And since I already knew his wording and things like that, I would go at the end of the day or the day after and complete the notes. For our listeners, I just want to explain you another factor that is very different in practicing medicine is that about when Obama was in, in the presidency, he created the electronic medical record thing. And these EMRs have just let the physicians to spend quite a significant amount of time just typing away in the computer. Mm-hmm. And they dedicate even much less time to direct face-to-face patient contact. Is that correct? That's right. A lot of time that you just used to type. That's why they're getting more scribes now because they can dictate after they see the patient. So that's what I did for another maybe a year before I found another. Actually, my husband found an opening in another neurologist office for transcriptionists. This time I sent my resume together with a cover letter. And there I was telling uh, the doctor, I have worked with a neurologist. I know my basic neurology, terminology, medications. I think I'm the best fit for your job. And obviously they call me right away. <laughs> that was a fax. I didn't even email my resume. That was a fax. And they, they got it. And the office manager called me and she was like, The doctor is very interested in hiring you. He has a a good offer for you. So if you could please come to an interview. So I went to the interview and my surprise, 
I talked to the office manager for like five minutes and then she told me the doctor wanted to talk to me. So he came in the room, she left, and I felt an instant connection with him. And he was, was, was he Latino? Colombian. Actually. No way. Awesome. Yes. So he and, and his wife, uh, they both have a neurology practice here in Melbourne. He looked at me. He didn't ask too much questions. He told me, how much do you want to make? And uh, you're all that I've been praying for. I really need a person that helps me with all these notes. He was overwhelmed with all, with the amount of notes that he had to type because he was seeing like 18 patients a day and his wife was seeing another, I don't know how many, and also she was working at the hospital. So they want me to do the notes for all their patients. Oh. And he was happy to have me. He took me, he was like, when can you start? And I'm like, but I have to give a two weeks notice to the other doctor. But we worked it out. I started working with him in the afternoon while I was finishing my two weeks. Not too much money. That's the thing. When they ask you, how much do you want to make? You don't know. You've never worked in this country doing nothing. I mean, if it's as a doctor, I would tell you how much I want to make a year. But as a medical assistant, I don't know. So I was like, okay, I'll take 12, I believe I said. Because at that moment, I was making 11 with the other doctor. So I was like, a $1 job, it's great for me. I mean, I was managing. I was doing just fine. And he took me right away and I started working with him. And when that door opened, I didn't think it was going to take me to something else. And that's the office where I started doing the EEGs. And the company that trained me to do the EEGs in-house, there with that doctor, that's the same company that hired me when I was looking for a job. They took me right away. And they told me, how much do you want to make? Yeah, it's been a blessing. I'm, I'm with them now. And I wasn't expecting, when I said, I don't want to work as a medical assistant anymore, I didn't think these people were going to take me. I wasn't even contemplating becoming an EEG tech. Based yeah. on the uh, video that you recorded, it seems that you were doing EEGs for this doctor or another neurologist, and, and you trained from a certified EEG technologist on how to get them done, but you felt, you even criticized yourself that you were not doing probably the best quality of EEGs then, since now you're an expert at performing them. Mm -hmm. uh, is that right? And now you're actually about to sit down for the certification as a... EEG yes. technologist, electroencephalogram graphic technologist is yes. how you pronounce it. So if you allow me, I can explain a yes, little please bit of do. how to become an EEG technologist. So for people that has an associate degree in whatever, or if you have a bachelor's degree or any higher education, if you get trained by a company or a doctor's office and you do that for a year and you get to do at least 150 studies in that year, then you can apply to become registered. And that only means that you're going to make 30 to $35 an hour. That's a fantastic pay in America. It is. There is not many people that make $35 an hour in the U.S. No, that's close to what an RN will make, I think. Yep, correct. So, And that's something that you can do if you don't want to go back to um, school because to become a nurse, they don't care you're a doctor. You have to go back to school and you have to do two, three years. So if you want to become an EEG tech, all you have to do is find a company that is willing to train you. And I've seen a lot of openings for EEG training. Actually, here in Florida, it's not that common because we have a school in Tampa 
for EEG tests. Okay, here where and, I live, we have a school, huh? Yeah, so that means that people that is going to get hired is the people that goes to school. But in places that they don't have a school, because this is not too common, Specialty. how do you call it? Uh -huh. Yeah, it's a very specialized um, field. There is not many people out there, hey, let's do an electroencephalogram exactly. on you. Yeah. You don't know about this unless you work at a hospital or a clinic where they do EEGs. So after a year, I got hired by this company and and then I could get registered anytime because I already had my 150 uh, studies. And then they'll pay for the registration. So it's a good option. I mean, you don't have to be a medical assistant and make 1050, but I mean, I feel like where I'm at right now, it's because I've been through all of these. You didn't I, know that at the beginning. You didn't know that there was such a wonderful opportunity. What other jobs could a foreign medical grad that has not quite passed mm -hmm. his exams yet or is in the process of taking the test, what other type of jobs do you think that we could do that are specialty specific, I mean, medicine specific and medically related? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's one thing that I advise anybody that wants to get into medicine here in the States is to stay in the medical field. Sometimes the language is a barrier, but if you can start with transcriptionist, it's something that you don't need a degree. You can, you can have a high school diploma in no medical terminology. You can do scribe, but for that, you need to listen to a lot of recording if they're dictating or you need to be there with the doctor. So that's something you can do and it's very easy to get into. It might get boring. Scribe is one thing. EEG tech is another thing. Lab technologists, you can, when you start working in whatever at a hospital, then you find out that there's a lot of technical jobs that you can do without having to go to school. And I know that there is, in my hospital, there is a lot of highly qualified people, doctors and nurses mm -hmm. in their countries that are lab technicians. Mm -hmm. And so there's, they actually give me a diagnosis. They call me, hey doc, this patient has acute renal insufficiency right. and they heard percolemic. I'm like, oh my God. And it's like mind blowing to me that all this brain waste, it's happening because you know they're doctors, you know it wasn't easy for them. Just work. because one one test, right? And for those listeners that are non-medical, the USMD, as it is right now, up to 2022, is test that is on basic sciences, on the very fundamentals of basic science, in which me, in my personal case, I was not very strong in my medical school. I had to study all over again. Was that the case for you? That the basic sciences were not. Very oh no, I suck at it. That's why I haven't passed it. <laughs> yeah, but we're great, great clinicians, and it goes to show you that Doctor Colon passes the the CS oh, uh, yeah. uh, clinical part right away. So for the non-medical listeners, step one is just a filter, mm -hmm. and I think with the new incoming score of pass fail, this is gonna open the opportunity for many of us to compete at a more even level mm -hmm. because now we're not gonna be trimmed or rated by a score. For example, if you wanted to be a neurosurgeon or an orthopedic surgeon, uh, an ENT, you had to be in the 99th, 95th percentile. Mm -hmm. And that meant that your score was above a million on the three digits of score. And if you had a score of 225, 230, I don't know, the lowest you need to pass, you were probably not, quote unquote, good enough to qualify for the specialty of your choice. Mm -hmm. So the way I see it is that if they tell you, hey, you have passed, you have the necessary knowledge 
of basic medical sciences to be a qualified physician in the United States. Now you're going to be in more even level playing field to apply for residency positions. So I think this is going to favor many of our listeners. And, and since you and I are speaking and you could consider to sit down in the future, I think this is going to be an awesome opportunity for you too. Yeah, hopefully it'll help everybody that is planning on taking the steps and, and becoming a physician here in the States. It's going to require also to have good scores in step two. But I feel like step two for foreign uh, medical graduates is a little bit easier or for everybody. I feel like clinical knowledge is easier than basic sciences. They're going to go from the step two to decide whether I think so. And also the reference letters and how you, how you do in your interview and things like that, I guess. By now, I suspect that you're going to have extremely strong letters of recommendations and you have kept in touch with the people that have helped you in the past and gave you the opportunity to work with them. And probably your current boss might speak wonderful things about you. Those things help. And I think this motivational uh, influencer type of material that you're putting out there with your video Mm -hmm. makes a change. And that's the kind of people that we need in our workforce. People Mm -hmm. like you that are well-intentioned, that are married, have a a eight-year-old child. Six. Six-year-old child that works hard. I know you spend quite a bit of time on the road traveling from one practice to another to do high-quality EEGs Mm -hmm. across the state of Florida. Is that that right? That's right. Do you spend a lot of time listening to CME, continuous medical education, or or do you spend a lot of time studying? In order to get registered, you need to have continuous education credits. So you have, and the company also pays for you to stay current. So yeah, you have to study, you have to, that's why, as you were saying, when I look back, all my studies were like very low quality and nobody was supervising me and telling me, hey, this is wrong. This was in the wrong wrong place because EEGs are very specific. There's a technique very specific for EEG. It's not like EKG that you put the leads and I mean, it's the chances that it's wrong, it's technically wrong, it's are low. But for EEG, yeah, you have to know what you're doing. And then after you know the technical part, you need to know how to read it and like kind of interpret what's going on in the brain. But before for me, it's, it was just waves and I didn't know what they meant. And now when, I can when you see someone faking a seizure, you're like, okay, mm-hmm. you can stop yeah. doing that. Now I can tell, but before... I would confuse blink with a seizure or whatever because I didn't know. I never took a book like, and nobody was coaching me or anything. I but find this remarkably interesting because I don't know how an EEG is done. And I yeah. ordered them all the time in my uh, ED observation unit uh-huh. for my patients that are rule out seizures, you know? And that's something also in our countries or Mexico, or whatever, that's something that you don't order because it's so expensive. If you know if the patient has seizures clinically and you know what you have to give them, you don't need the EEG because patient cannot afford it. Yeah. And here they order it as if it was like routine. Like, like a fasting blood sugar, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And also we have a stat EEGs to rule out a status epilepticus and in, in intubated patients that are not improbable, yeah. that sometimes are even improbable, right? Deprevent. Yeah. And is- there's also something very interesting that you can, if you get into the EEG world, then you can get registered as an intraoperative monitoring technologist. 
Tell us about that. What is that? At the, at the same time that an interventional radiologist is doing like a carotid, they're looking at the carotids and things like that. You can be monitoring through an EEG the brain function and brain waves and everything. So that pays even more. So, wow. yeah. And, and, and how much are we talking about? Like 50 an hour? I don't know. I've never met an IOM. IOM stands for what? Intraoperative Monitoring Technologist. Okay. And I know of a lot of MDs, foreign medical graduates that are doing that, and they're making good money. I wouldn't say how much because most of them are per diem, so they call them only when they are needed. But they have to stay in, in, in surgeries that are like 12 hours, like are very brain long. Surgeon. Yeah, with yeah, brain surgeons so or interventional radiologists. Brain, uh -huh, brain surgery. So with one that you do a week, <laughs> I think you're good. Okay. It, yeah, but that's something else that you can get into. So options are like endless. Endless. Dr. Colon, to wrap it up, I know that you have had a very lengthy path in America, mm -hmm. and I would say that you have enough background and experience to do recommendations to our listeners out there. So give us a few tips, a spiritual, mental, you name it, perseverance, resilience, things mm -hmm. that you feel that are important to have and how I know religion has played a huge role for you, mm -hmm. believing in God. So that would be the first thing. You need to believe in something superior to you. Because yeah, Let's call that. it something superior because America is full of religion. So to yes. be respectful, yeah. believe yeah. in something. Because believe me, by yourself, you're not going to get anywhere. Also, to have that support from someone, family or significant other or someone. Because being here lonely, it's very, very sad and hard. So you need to have a support system. Also, you need to work hard. As I said at the beginning, the opportunities are not going to come knock on your door. You have to go out and you have to create a network. You have to make friends in the medical field. And those friends that at the beginning is like not that significant, you might think, they're the ones that are going to help you afterwards to maybe get a good reference letter or will tell you about another job that it's another opening that you can apply for. So everything is going to be like consequence of like a domino effect. But you have to start working and you have to uh, work hard. If not, it's not going to happen. Also, you need to set up your goals. If what you really want is to become a doctor, it's going to happen only if you put in the work. And um, you need to have a support system because as we talked before, uh, living here, it's very expensive. And also going through the process of taking the test and matching, it's very, very expensive. Like in Mexican currency or in, in Colombian, Colombian pesos, pesos it's, it's millions, millions of pesos that you have to invest. But if that's what you really want and that's your passion, you're going to make it. I mean, as I say in my video, you're smart. You didn't get here just because uh, they, I mean, you passed this test and that's what, whatever. Yeah, um, you came here and your medical degree didn't come in a package of Cheetos or... Exactly. It didn't come from China. You, uh -huh. you earned it. And you are a doctor, regardless of what people think. Americans are savvy and they think that they can tell you what you are not. But you know that you're a doctor and, and you know how much work it took you to get here. So don't let anybody tell you 
uh, otherwise. You are a doctor and uh, just set your mind on whatever you want, like Dr. Osorio right here. You have to go back and listen to his story too because it's very touching. Thank and you. that's what most foreign medical graduates go through. It's not easy to get into a residency, but it's possible. And it doesn't matter because you didn't match once, it's not gonna happen to you. Listen, me, I have failed the test a couple of times and I still have faith that it can happen because it's not definitive. It's not like you failed and you're never gonna stand up again and you're not gonna make it. I don't care, you know what? I know my purpose in life is to serve and I know it's gonna happen one way or, or the other. Maybe it's not practicing medicine, but I know that I'm called, my call is to heal people. I don't know if it's through my words or my experience, and that's what I'm doing right now, but I know that after this life, I'm not gonna take money with me. I'm not gonna take my title or my diploma. I know what I'm working for, and I know that um, after this life, I'm gonna be rewarded with a bigger reward. I don't care about the money. If I make the money, good. I know that um, I'm not where I, I wanted to be 10 years ago, but I'm closer to get there where I want to be. And I'm yeah. going to be a millionaire. So you got to do a follow up on this. Yes, we're going <laughs> to. On this and, podcast. And awesome to have you here. And one final thought. I think life circumstances change. Mm -hmm. And this country has something very particular when compared to any other country. Sometimes in Colombia, you're not one. If you come from a wealthy family, you're not one if you don't have the money to purchase access to that job or that degree. Uh, mm -hmm. Or you're not one if you don't have a political influence or a political friend that could get you the job. That's yeah. simply the truth reality. This country is different in to the fact that if you work hard and you dream big, like your mm -hmm. statement, I would call it your motto, your phrase. Yeah work hard, dream big, work hard. Okay. I think this country really recognizes you. And there is someone watching that hardworking person every day, working mm -hmm. hard for their family, for their husband, doing the right thing on the right path, following the law, paying their taxes, exactly. et cetera, whatever you want uh -huh. to call it. Something, this country is good at that, at giving you reward for something. So you don't have to become a doctor in America, neither. I know that this country also offers you the opportunity to become an entrepreneur and a business person, not necessarily in medicine. And Dr. Uh, Sophie Colon right now is looking for a way and reach herself, not only financially, but as a person, mm -hmm. exploring opportunities and what's out there. And, and I know that you spend tons of hours thinking about how to accomplish that. So she said very clearly, money is not everything that matters. We make lots of money here in America as physicians, but that's sometimes not the main thing. And people mm -hmm. just are kept their mindset just in money and your life could be really lonely just by thinking that way. Mm -hmm. Just do the right thing. Do the right thing for the patient. Do the right thing for yourself. And, and I think uh, the Lord will tell you which path we're going to go because, you know, you might become a successful business person doing other exactly. kind of stuff or you can create your own EEG company within uh -huh. the next two or three years and become wealthy that way. So, yeah. yeah. And but, also, I mean, before we wrap up, I can't believe how many doctors are not practicing and they're not doing something big because I've seen immigrants that come to this country with no money in their pockets, with no family, and you see them on TV, Shark Tank and things like that, and they become millionaires just by having a dream 
and an idea and working hard. That's why that's my, my name on YouTube, dream big and work hard because you can dream all you want, but if you don't put in the work, the work is not going to happen. So I know we're smart people. We are motivated. We just need to put the work. I know you have two videos right now on YouTube. One that you created months ago and you had a follow-up video. Yes, I have to, only two videos about the my journey here in the States. Well, 6,700 6, plus views is mm -hmm. more than I have right now. I have about 1,000. So <laughs> it's a big deal. I think mm -hmm. so. And, and I'm going to tell you the truth. You could become a motivational speaker, an influencer this way. I think uh, the world is in your hands. I really want to thank you from the bottom of my heart uh, oh, for you. coming into my show. We found ourselves on the internet. I, I immediately uh, saw your link to your email. I said, I'm mm -hmm. going to get a hold of uh, Dr. Colon and we're going to have a conversation. So thank you for taking time off your Sunday for thank two you. hours to talk to me today because I know people are going to really like it and love it. And it's a different perspective on what this country has to offer and how we accomplish sure. our goals. Never quit. Just keep working hard and it's going to happen. Whatever it is, it's going to happen. So keep dreaming. Work hard, dream big, dream big, work hard. Mm -hmm. So guys, please uh, follow Dr. Colon. Uh, what's your email? If somebody wants to get a hold of you for advice or any personal sure. Uh, sure. comments that they want to have uh, directions with you, I know that you, if you type it's probably Sophie Colon or foreign medical graduates in the U.S., you will uh -huh. find her on YouTube. How can we get a hold of you, Dr. Colon? If you want to email me, my email is sophieyeny, S-O-P-H-Y-Y-E-N-Y at gmail.com. Or you can look me up on YouTube as Dream Big Work Hard, Coma MD. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, that's, we're going to have another video coming out soon. And then I'm going to invite you, Dr. Osorio, to be part of awesome. one video so you oh, can share so, your experience. So motivational. Mm -hmm. And actually, because of the type of work that I also do on the side with my medical scribing company, when I saw that you were a medical scribe, mm -hmm. you know, I, I really want to tell all of those uh, foreign medical grads that are currently looking to medical scribing. The average income is about $11 an hour. There is usually very rare career scribes for, for lifelong because, as you said, it could become a little tedious and a little boring. But most of my employees have gone into medical school, nursing school, mm -hmm. uh, PA school. They have become nurses and the nurse practitioners, et cetera. And I think it's a, it's a great path. So medical scribing is a, another it's job an that pays well and gives you a fantastic letters of recommendation and also is the most sick after pre-medical job for experience as it is so you have done that you know what it's like mm -hmm. so visit me also at my website then if you want to learn more about scribes www.goscribes.com that's g-o-s-c-r-i-b as in bob es.com and you'll also find it uh, a link on my website at the fmg-imgcast.com so we're a new podcast this is episode number 15 by now Please, uh, I'll still appreciate a nice review. If you think we deserve five stars, that's what we're here for. It will really help me to get up on the rankings. And I want to make everybody know that as of this week, I got an email that in the Apple's podcast ranking in India, which wow. has about a billion citizens, I'm number 29 in oh, yeah. medical podcast categories. So I want to keep 
going up in the American charting. So give me yeah. both, keep downloading, keep liking, keep sharing, and visit the website and we'll stay in touch. Thank you, Dr. Colon. Thank you, Dr. Osorio. Thanks God for bless having you. me. God okay. bless you. Okay. Gracias.